so necessary. Father, help us now as we look at your word. Reveal these truths to us in a way that's easy to understand and apply. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We read in Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 44, about the blessed servant, or the blessed steward. Jesus told a parable. He said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom the Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. The blessed servant. On our vision night, we talked about how many times the Bible says blessed is or blessed are. This verse literally gives us one of the formulas of how to be blessed by God. And the Bible here talks about a servant who is blessed. And this servant is blessed ultimately because he's a faithful steward. It's our stewardship month. We talk about stewardship every January. A steward is simply one who manages the possessions of someone else. If you're a Christian here today or watching online, then whether you realize it or not, you are a steward of what God has given you. None of us own anything in the sight of God. We may own things according to the laws of the state of Rhode Island or the United States government. But in the eyes of God, everything that we have has been given to us, and we will give an account. A steward must give an account to the master, and this accounting is based upon performance. Our country has seemed to forget the, the importance of merit, of earning things. I remember years ago, remember whenever they would start playing Little League games and everybody got a trophy. And they'd start playing football games and everybody was a winner. That's one of those things that sounds good on paper, but it doesn't work out very good in real life. I've had my heart broken in Little League, let me tell you. I still have scars. I played for Russ Tire and uh, a local mechanic shop that sponsored our team. I've got deep wounds from losing terribly. And uh, Frank Mumaw was our coach back in the day. And come to find out years later, he was a, a member at the church I ended up getting saved at with his family. And uh, I remember far as I remember being a young man, he always had a good testimony of being a, a nice guy. He was nice. He wanted us all to play, but he also wanted to win. And when you lost, sometimes you'd stand over there crying. You say, well, how did those wounds hurt you? It made you work harder next time. When you remove any accountability for success or for merit or for per performance, then you lose any desire, you lose any ambition to try any harder. Uh, and we've got to understand that we have a God that says, I love you where you're at, but I'm trying to take you someplace new. Amen. He loves us where we are, but he's trying to mold us and shape us into the image of the sinless son of God. 
That means we've all got a lot of work to do. We've all got a lot of things that we need to leave behind, and we've got a lot of things that we need to strive for. And the Bible teaches us over and over and over that every child of God is a steward, and the stewards will give an account to the master at the judgment seat. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, for those of you that have been coming for a long time, you understand this, but for those of you that are newer, and thank God we've got a lot of new Christians that have gotten saved in the last year and new people coming, it's important to reiterate these things. There are two judgments at the end of this life. One judgment is called the great white throne judgment. That is where all of the lost people, all the people who died in their sin, they never got their sins forgiven, they never trusted Jesus, they will appear at this great white throne judgment. And it's not a judgment to see whether or not they're guilty, it's a sentencing judgment. They're already guilty. They're just there to receive their final sentencing which is eternal separation from God in a terrible place called hell, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched, Jesus said. At that judgment, believers who've trusted Christ in this life, who've got their sins forgiven based upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in His finished work on the cross, believers will be watching the great white throne judgment not participating in it. Does that make sense to you? There is a separate judgment for believers. Only saved people, only born-again people, only people who die in Jesus, who have trusted Christ, who get their sins forgiven. Only believers will be at this thing called the judgment seat of Christ. It is not a judgment to see whether or not you get into heaven because it will take place in heaven. Right? We're already there. It is a judgment based upon our performance of how we lived for Christ after we were saved. And without going too deeply into it, because this is just introduction, basically what's going to happen is God is going to show us who we could have been and what we could have done. And he's going to compare that to what we actually accomplished in his name. And the Bible says we will receive a reward for the things that we did, but we will suffer loss for all the things we didn't do. Right? What a sobering day that's going to be. The Bible tells us that every believer should live today with an eye towards the judgment seat of Christ, knowing that I as a steward for my time, talent, treasure, truth, testimony, am going to give an accounting to God going to be a lot of sad faces on that day. You say there's going to be weeping in heaven? There will be for a time. But thankfully, at the end of the book of Revelation, God says he's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. Who? The people in heaven. A lot of doctrine here I don't have time to get into. He's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes, and we're going to live in eternal joy in heaven. And all the crowns we received at the judgment seat of Christ, we will continually cast them down at the feet of Jesus as a reminder of our earthly dedication. Everybody's going to be dedicated in heaven. Everybody's going to see him and be like, wow, he is the Lord. He's worth everything. He's worth all the glory and all sacrifice. 
but those who knew it down here will receive reward, and those rewards will become our gifts back to Jesus. It's important you understand that. Every child of God will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So sin's not in question at the judgment seat of Christ. How do we get to the judgment seat of Christ with expectation and not regret? Well, one surefire way is this concept of stewardship. And Jesus says, blessed is the servant. The blessed is the faithful steward or the faithful servant. Did you know God is a giver? Isn't that good news? God's a giver. You know, even other religions that have a God of some sort, they are typically not generous. They're not loving. They're not kind. They're not gracious. Matter of fact, the Greek and Roman gods would toy with individuals as pawns. Uh, and many of the religions of the world don't have the concepts of Christian love and so on. That comes from the fact that our God is gracious. Our God is love. Our God is a rewarder. He's a giver. He's a creator. And he loves to bless his children. Let me show you some verses. We'll come back to Luke chapter 12. Don't lose your place. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I like to turn to the scriptures and show you the black and white of the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 6, but without faith it is hard to please him. Is that what it says? No, but without faith it is what? It's impossible to please him, to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, you have to believe he exists, and he is who he said he was, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For you to please God, you have to believe that God exists and that he is who he claims to be. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith as it's known, gives us a lot of examples of that. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, a wonderful verse in Hebrews chapter 6. And look at verse 10, a wonderful verse to memorize. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Isn't that a blessing? Hey, God's not going to forget what you've done for him in his name. He keeps good records. He's got it all under control. And he is a rewarder of them that serve him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This was one of my preacher's life verse. Pastor Robert Ross, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's been with the Lord now for some years. But this is one of the verses that kept him going for 50, all the years he was in the ministry. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. Isn't that a blessing? Hey, God's not going to forget you. He's not going to forget what you've done for him. He knows every sacrifice. He sees our service. He records our obedience. He prepares rewards for those who are faithful. What an amazing God we serve who allows us to partner with him. He saves us from eternal damnation. He makes us his children, and then he puts us to work in his service. What a mighty God we serve. We get to work with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. Look at John chapter 4. We're talking about the God, our God, who's a rewarder. John chapter 4. God rewards faithful service. John chapter 4. And look at verse 35. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. He's talking about a harvest of souls. Verse 36, and he that reapeth receiveth what? Wages. And gathereth fruit unto what? Life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. The Bible says that we plant, we water, and God gives the increase. This verse reminds us that if you plant, God's got rewards for you. If you water, God's got rewards for you. If you're the one that gets to reap, God's got rewards for you because God is a rewarder. Having understand all that, we turn back to our scripture in Luke chapter 12. Our scripture text describes a faithful steward. Now, we won't look at it this morning, but the parable after this, the, the parable continues and contrasts the faithful steward with an unfaithful steward. We can learn from both. If you look at verse 42, we see two requirements of stewardship. Verse 42 said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? The first requirement of stewardship is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The most important thing that a steward can be is faithful. I mean, if you've got someone watching your wealth, if you've got someone caring for your family when you're away, if you've got someone who has everything that, that's important to you in their hands, you would expect them to be trustworthy. And God says, I, I need my stewards to be faithful. The master should be confident that the steward will honor his desires and follow his direction. I could tell you all kinds of stories how when I was in business, people not following directions cost me money. We're remodeling a three-flat apartment, three apartments right on top of each other. At that time in my business, I was running two shifts. I was going to school, running a business at the same time. And I just got so busy, I didn't really keep an eye on the guys who were working on that job. And they would tell me all the right things. 
oh, did you get, I'd give them a list, I'd tell them what to do, I'd walk through and look at things, but I didn't look very deeply. I had worked, we'd done several jobs for the man who owned this house, and we're walking through the final walkthrough, and I'm horrified because he knew enough to look behind whatever looked good, and I was seeing things that I was shocked about. Basically, my workers, for about a month, just lied to me, talking on their phone, sleeping on the job. All this came out later. I take responsibility because it was my job. I was, I was on the line. And thankfully, I knew the man. He was very upset, but he knew me, and it probably saved me an awful lot of trouble because I was on the line for it. I basically had to work a second job for the next two weeks, going behind them, fixing all their mistakes. I paid them and let them go. Spent two weeks fixing all their mistakes, and then for nine months I had to go work for someone else to make back everything that I lost on that job. And after nine months, I was able to go back to my business. That's a pretty heavy price to pay because someone's not faithful and someone isn't wise. Ultimately, it was my fault. That nine months, by the way, is the story I tell where God miraculously gave me a job with the union in northwest Indiana, and I got a job making $27.90 an hour with a $12 an hour benefit package as a 24-year-old man. And um, well, God takes care of you. You know, you do things right, God takes care of you. And after those nine months, I was able to go back and, and get back into my business and finish strong until we, we came here. But you know, God already knows our proclivities for unfaithfulness. God already knows how often we drop the ball. And he says, I am giving you an opportunity to be faithful with my power, with my strength. And some people take that opportunity and they become the unfaithful steward. And some people take that opportunity and really strive to be the faithful steward. I'm trying to encourage us today. Faithfulness, dear friend. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to what? Do what the boss said to do. Honor his desires. Follow his directions. Do it his way. I was counseling a man one time, and he was all mad at his boss. And I, I can't believe my boss is so unreasonable. I said, why? He's like, he's telling me how to sweep. I know how to sweep. I said, who signs your paycheck? He does. Sweep his way. There's a lot of ways to sweep a room. Sweep his way. Do it his way. We have this rebellious streak in us in our flesh where we rebel against leadership, even the leadership of God. But wise and faithful stewards, they submit to God and say, God, tell me how to do it, and I will do it your way.
Jesus said, oh, blessed is that servant who's faithful. And then we see blessed is that servant who's wise. You know, Proverbs 4, 7 says wisdom is the principal thing, doesn't it? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11 says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I ask us this morning to take an individual look at our own lives. Am I a faithful and wise steward of all that God's entrusted me? Are you a faithful and wise steward of all that God's entrusted you and wherever you're at on that spectrum I, I presume that all of us could say I could do better I could do better and this morning we look at the parable where Jesus says blessed is that servant whom when his Lord cometh he shall find him so doing you see in here the the promise of the Lord's return. You know, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. I think it's getting pretty soon, folks. I think we're real close. I think you better be ready. If you're not born again, if you've never had your sins forgiven, now's not the time to mess around. Now's not the time to play. Now's not the time to joke it off. I'll do it someday. I'll get around to it. No, folks, this is the last of the last of the last days. And now's not the time for God's people to joke around. And one of these days, Jesus is going to return. And Jesus says, blessed is that servant who's doing what I told him to do when I show up. Hold your place here. This isn't in my notes, but I... Since the Lord would have us look at it. Look at 2 John. This verse, when I read it as a young Christian, shook me to my very core. First John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, little children... Abide in Him, abide in Christ. Why? That when He shall appear, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be what? Ashamed before Him at His coming. There's going to be some people that when the rapture happens, they're going to go, woo, on their way up. I've been waiting for you. He's here. In that moment, that twinkling of an eye. And there's going to be some people that go, oh, no. I'm going to save people. Not now. Not today. And when that rapture happens, there's going to be people that see him in confidence. And there's going to be people that see him in shame. And I was scared to death. I did not want Jesus to come and be ashamed. And this parable back in Luke chapter 12 teaches the same thing. Imagine the master gives the steward a job and he shows up. Blessed is that servant who's been faithful and wise. A good job. 
The rest of the parable tells the master shows up and there's an unfaithful steward. And 2 John chapter 2, verse 28 gives an interesting view on that. Let me give you three final thoughts. What are the benefits of the blessed servant? Let me give you a couple final thoughts. Number one, blessings. Jesus said, blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find him so doing. God promises blessings to the faithful steward. The blessings of God are many and varied. There are spiritual blessings that money can't buy. There are physical blessings, financial, emotional, relational benefits. God's blessings include joy. Could you use some joy? Abundance. Could you lose, use a little bit more abundance? Favor. How about having God's favor? Protection. Could we use God's protection in these crazy days? What about grace? Grace, grace, God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. God gives saving grace to everyone. But he's got living grace. For the blessed servants. We could look at Psalm chapter 1 that we read as part of our memory passage for this month. We could look at all the places where God loves to bless his people in Psalms and Proverbs, and I have verses here. But it suffices this morning just to say that the blessed servant is honored with blessings. Number two, he's honored with opportunity. Look at verse 43, or verse 44. Of a truth, I say unto you that he, the master, will make him, the blessed steward, ruler over all that he hath. Our Lord rewards faithfulness with new opportunities. You ever get frustrated whenever you just can't seem to get that open door? You just can't seem to get that new opportunity? The job just won't open up. The, the situation just won't come. The the thing that's right there, it just seems like it, no matter how hard you beat your head against the wall, don't beat your head against the wall. Seek the Lord with all your heart. He has the ability to open opportunities to you. The Lord is the Lord who can open a door that no man can shut and shut a door that no man can open. And he creates opportunities. We look at number three. Not only is this blessed steward have blessings and opportunities, we see abundance. God gives more to those who prove they are reliable with what they already have been given. Think about this. Rather than worrying about what we need and what we could do and what we might do, let's look at our lives and say, I'm going to strive to do everything I know to do. It might be much. It might be little. I'm going to stop saying things like, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to stop saying things like, I know I should, but I'm not going to. Just do 
what you know to do. And when you're faithful in that which is least, God can make you faithful in that which is much because that's how he, he recognizes what we're going to do with much by what we're doing now. Look at a, a verse in Luke chapter 19, an astounding verse. Luke chapter 19, verse 24, we see the parable of the pounds. You know the story, the Lord gives pounds, he tells them to occupy till he comes. The Lord comes back for an accounting, picturing again the, the judgments of the Lord. Every steward must give an accounting to the master. Look at verse 16, Then the first came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. He said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful very little, have thou authority over ten cities. This is very interesting. Without going too deeply into the theology, one of the rewards of living for Christ today is going to be our responsibilities in the millennial kingdom. There's going to be a thousand-year reign where Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem, the Bible says that in that day we will rule and reign with Christ. We, as believers, during that thousand-year perfect millennial reign, are going to be set up as his governors. We will have responsibility based upon our faithfulness now. I believe that's why he's using the cities. Isn't that odd? I'll make you over, over cities. And then the second came and said, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. Likewise, be thou over five cities. Look at verse 20. And another came and said, Lord, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin, for I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Or it means hard. You're a hard man. You're unforgiving. You're difficult to work with. Of all the things you could, of all the adjectives you could describe to our God, I don't think those are appropriate. So this shows the mental state of the unfaithful steward. He's blaming the master. Did you ever hear that? When people get backslidden, they need someone to blame. They'll blame God, they'll blame you, they'll blame me, they'll blame anybody rather than take responsibility for themselves. He said, For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down. Thou reapest what thou didst not sow. You make us do all the work, and you take all the benefit. Quite an accusation against the master. And look at verse 22, how the Lord judged him. And he... He, the Lord, saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required my own with usury? He said, You at least could have gotten interest. So here's what the Lord said He said, I'm going to judge you out of your own mouth. Knowing that I am a hard, unreasonable man and I am unfair, you should have acted differently. What's the Lord saying? Your, your accusation, your reasons don't make sense because if you really believe that about me, you still would not have done what you did. 
And there's going to come a day, folks, when every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess to Jesus. And at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, there will be no excuses accepted. Here's where it gets interesting and where it applies to the, the faithful steward. Look at verse 24. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound from the unjust servant, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And the crowd gasped. And look what they said, verse 25. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. You see what happened here? The Lord said, Take the pound from the unfaithful and give it to the one who was most faithful. And the crowd gasped and said, Lord, he's already got ten. God said, that's right. Because I'm going to teach you a lesson. Look at the next verse. Verse 26. For I say unto you that unto everyone which hath shall be what? Given. Given. And from him that hath not, even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. God rewards faithful stewards with abundance. You see how our world is doing it the exact opposite? We're going to reward laziness and we're going to punish hard work. No wonder the world is in such a mess. We see that the blessed servant, Luke chapter 12, what are the, what are the blessings of being a, a blessed servant. Blessed is that servant. We see blessings. We see opportunity. We see abundance. And lastly, we see protection. I don't have time to develop this. But as the blessed steward moves up into the blessings and the opportunity and the abundance, as he gets closer to the master, he's more protected from everything on the outside. One thing we find when we're trying to be faithful servants, faithful stewards, is protection. I am more protected when I tithe than when I don't tithe. I am more protected when I am generous than when I'm not generous. I am more protected when I do everything I can to seek the Lord rather than doing what I want to do with what I consider to be my own. Let me show you a last verse, Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, fascinating scriptures. Verses 24 through 26. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meet or necessary or appropriate, but it tendeth to poverty. Wait a minute. God said there is a way to give and have more. And there is a way to keep and have less. The next verse. The liberal soul, that doesn't mean politically liberal or, or conservative. It's talking about generous. The generous soul shall be made what? So you know I'm pretty I'm pretty generous guy. If, uh, one thing I have going for me. It's not talking about it's not talking about your your body fat percentage increasing. It's talking about your life 
you will be given abundance as you seek the Lord, as you follow the Lord's leading in being generous, the tithes, the offerings, the alms, all of these things, we seek the Lord. We're giving more, but we're, we're keeping more. The Bible says, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. So when you share water, you're going to have more water coming back to you. Just like Jesus said, give, in Luke chapter 6, and it shall be given unto you. Look at verse 26. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. The Bible here is making the case for generosity. That something supernatural happens whenever we are, when we are faithful stewards with what God has given us. He has the ability to supernaturally protect what we have and give abundance and then protect the abundance. And then we give out of our abundance and he supernaturally multiplies it and protects it. You say, I don't have abundance. This starts when you don't have a lot. Give when you have very little to give, and you will give when you have more than enough. If you won't give when you have little, you won't give when you have a lot. And God will always make sure givers have something to give. So here we see, blessed is that servant. You want to be blessed? One way we do that is by being a blessed steward. Everybody who's born again is a steward. Let me plead with you. If you're here this morning, you're watching online, you're not sure you're saved. Today's the day to trust Christ. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to understand that you cannot go to heaven on your own because of your sin. There is a debt that must be paid. And that payment is eternal suffering in hell. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay for that sin. And he was buried and rose again, showing us that he could keep his promise, that he had the victory over death and hell. And then the Bible says, God's not asking you to make a migration to Jerusalem or climb a mountain in Tibet or pay a bunch of money or join an organization. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why not trust Him today? We'd love to take a Bible and show you how to do that. And then, of course, show you how to live for Christ after. Let's pray. Lord, thank